Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. John, you and I were talking before, and you're, you're just making me laugh before the show. Usually I'm scribbling notes down or something, and I couldn't scribble notes down that fast because people say I talk fast, but your brain goes a million miles an hour, partner. <laughs> Happy to be back for another week, Wes. Uh, it is true. I do. I have that issue sometimes with clients as well uh, at my law firm. They, they're like, hold on, hold on. Can you just say that two or three more times? That was a lot of information there in a short period of time. Uh, just going to need you to run that back for me. But hey, there's only so many hours in the day. I got to sleep a little bit. You know, we're running five different directions all the time. You know how it is. How much time do I really have to speak slowly and talk to everybody like this? I don't have that kind of time, my man. No, you don't. And, and you're making tons of guest appearances. Look, if you're not following John Frisella on Twitter, you're making a big mistake. At Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can find him there. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Loafinit on Twitter. And I know we both talk really fast. Can you imagine, John, if we had like a fast talking contest and then people started putting us at 1.2 on their podcast uh, playbacks? Oh, my. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, they have to slow it down. They have to touch the button and make it go backwards a little bit. But otherwise, we're ready to roll. You put us in the starting gates. You put us on the blocks. Yeah. We're off and running. Yeah, yeah. We're ready to go anytime. And, and look, you, you a guest appeared on a radio podcast or I guess a radio show this week. Not a podcast, but a radio show this week. Yeah, out in Dakota uh, at Bison 1660, the Insiders. Hosted by Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff. These guys, I mean, I'll tell you, they know the uh, Dakota college sports, but also big Minnesota Vikings guys. So, and it's a huge show. They got a ton of people listening in that area. They're on all day. Uh, was very happy to be on with them. They asked me to come on. Again, that's at Jeff Colhane and at Andy on the AM. That's Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff. Great guys. Great show. I was on talking fantasy football for about 20 minutes or so. Uh, that's up on Twitter as well, at Legend Sports 7. And also at their handles, again, that's at Bison1660, the Insiders. The Insiders. I like that. The inside, the Dakota Insiders. I don't know if you can be outside on Dakota because it's very cold there. Starting to get very cold. That reminds me, though, since you brought up Minnesota, I was going around the Googleverse, and I was looking at quarterbacks and quarterback contracts because I've, I've had this thought in my head, and I'm trying to think of some content for later on in the year and everything, and I'm just ready to get it out right now. Kirk Cousins has two years left on his Minnesota contract, okay? But I was looking at the one-year contract wonders, and I was wondering whether or not some of these guys deserve a contract as a starting quarterback for next season. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you a couple of these guys and see if you think that they are deserving still of a starting quarterback position next year because they're on one-year contracts and they're going to expire at the end of this year. Hey, oh, I like Phil this. I like this. Fire away. Put me on I, the spot. I, well, I know you like that. Philip Rivers. Has Philip Rivers earned a starting quarterback position next season? No question. So so let me tell you about Philip Rivers. I'm glad you brought him up first. A lot. Everybody's first thing they do is they make fun of his noodle arm, right? That he short-armed the ball. Um, okay, that's a pretty easy way to pick on the guy. He's also in the top five in the history of the NFL in passing yards. So yeah. I'll throw that right back in your face. I, and his arm has never been loose looking, right? He short arms the ball. Um, so the key with Phillip Rivers and what he's proven once again this year is what he can see at the line with his experience, right? And it's a really nice match right now between Rivers and Frank Reich. Because, and I was having this conversation with my buddies, Frank and Billy, the other night. I was watching the Thursday night game uh, at his place, the Colts and the Titans. And I was having this conversation. I said, look, when Rivers played with Anthony Lynn, Rivers outranks Anthony Lynn as an offensive mind. 
So Anthony Lynn and him are going to talk offense. Rivers is going to overrank him, and he's going to say, look, I've been doing this forever. I'm a quarterback. I'm in the all-time leaders. I'm in charge here. It's a little bit more of a peer situation for Frank Reich, who was a very good, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. And if you needed him to start, he was pretty solid for the Bills as well. And he knows the position in and out, and he's a real solid offensive coordinator and head coach, right? So now they're working as peers. So Phillip Rivers is now getting the right guidance and not turning the ball over in those big spots. So it's a real good match. So the answer is yes, he's proven that he should be a starting quarterback. It really looks like Naheem Hines is starting to run away with that uh, starting running back position, if you ask me. It does look that way. Unfortunately for me, I spent all that FOB money on him early in the year, just in case. You know, I like to do that. I like to spend the money early on FOB because a lot of times you'll get a guy who's good for the entire year who people didn't have as an established guy going into the season. So I did do that in a couple spots. And to be honest, I would have held on to him in certain leagues, but the bye weeks made it impossible. So when he was ice cold, only getting three, four, five points a game, I had to drop him. And now it looks like he's back. And it looks like he might even be that top guy for the Colts. Yeah, I I say starter. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think he's going to be that guy who comes in off the bench, but plays more snaps than anybody else. And is far more effective as the RB1 there. Yeah, that's that's what it is, because he's actually pretty good at the goal line, which people didn't realize about him. Right. Of course, we always think of him as like an Austin Eckler, especially because he's playing with Rivers, that he's going to dump it off to him in the flat and let him do his thing. But he's actually sneaky. When you hand him the ball inside the five yard line, he kind of weaves his way through traffic and finds a way into the end zone. So you're right. He may not start, but he's, he may be the highest scoring guy in terms of fantasy. This guy was paid $3 million this season, if I read all these things right. You know how contracts are. Contracts can be a little bit goofy on how to read it because signing bonuses, all blah, 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 blah. Andy right. Dalton. Andy Dalton is on his last year with the Cowboys. He, does he deserve even a backup role next season? I can't, I can't stop laughing. I'm glad you said backup role. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, he's a backup, right? When I look at a situation like that, I just go by the numbers. I just do it straight up. So if you got 32 teams and you got 32 yeah. backups, not including the third stringers, the question is to me, is Andy Dalton in the top 64? Yeah, he's in the top 64, but what, that's, what's that saying? There's no way he's a starter because even before he got hurt, As you can see with the offense that they have and the players that they have, what a massive drop-off the Cowboys had from Dak Prescott, even with the same offensive players around him. So if he can't can't do it with those guys, who can he do it with? I would say off the top of my head, Dalton's probably somewhere between number 40 and number 50 at quarterback, which makes him a backup. Okay, I got another one for you. Another backup possible position here at $1.5 million checking in this season. Joe Flacco, is he still a backup in, in the league? Yeah, I mean, you you saw it this week, right? How about that performance? For the Mm -hmm. first time ever, the Jets did everything right. I don't like to watch blowouts. It's not fun for me. I'm happy to tank the season, but I'm going to turn the game off if we're down four scores and I know we're not going to win, right? So this game was perfect. It was national TV. We were winning at halftime. Flacco played a tremendous game, the best game he's played in years, better than any game he ever played on the Broncos. He was awful on the Broncos. And we did the right thing. We made a couple of mistakes late. And the Patriots won the game. So now we can still get Trevor Lawrence. So it was the best Jets game of the season. Flacco showed he still had a lot left in the tank as a backup. And I'll tell you the reason why. For the first time all year, the Jets had all three wide receivers together. So they had Denzel Mims, who's been a very solid-looking rookie. Very promising. They had Crowder, who's been their number one the last couple of years. And they had Perryman, who busted off for two long touchdowns. Not surprised because Flacco and Perryman played together on the Ravens. And Flacco had mentioned that, that he likes Perryman. So I'm not surprised by that. So you put three 
good receivers out there and you get a decent performance out of Flacco. I would say Flacco and Dalton in the rankings are probably neck and neck. So they're in that same area. They're like between number 40 and number 55, which makes them both backup quarterbacks. And you touched on uh, a couple of names there, and I, I, we will probably get to them uh, later on. But I just on a bye week, so we won't say we won't be able to say it. Perryman, if, if he's out there on your waiver wire, you need to go ahead and go out there and pick him up. If Mims is out there on your waiver wire, go ahead out there and pick him up because they're going to commit to throwing the ball a million times by the end of this season, I believe. And that's just a couple of good names if they're out there on your waiver wire. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen, does he deserve a starting quarterback position next year? It might be with the Redskins. Yeah, well, I guess it, how bad is this injury? I know he's out for the season. Is it mm, something that true. may linger into next year? What What did you see on that? Yeah, I, I, it may be. I don't think it's nearly as severe as Alex Smith's injury was, but it just, you know, it, 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 it I, yeah, I, there's some injury concerns there, I suppose. It's uh, it's season-ending ankle surgery, to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, Kenny, he's a younger guy. He's not like Alex Smith. It's not going to take him three years to rehab. Um, I don't know. I, I do think they would like to bring him back if Ron Rivera remains in charge and he stays healthy, et cetera. I do think they'll want to bring him back because Rivera clearly likes him and the team was going in the right direction. Kind of a bad break for them, for sure. Um, I would say as of right now, with the injury concerns, I would rank him as a frontier backup quarterback. Whereas if he if he didn't have this massive injury, I probably would have considered him a back-end starter. I probably would have had him between number 20 and number 32 at the quarterback position. Now I'm going to say he's between 33 and 45. That's what it seems he, like. He checked in at $675,000. He, he was a bargain this year. He was a, he was a bargain. This guy's kind of a bargain too. Jameis Winston, $1.1 million this season as a backup for New Orleans. Is somebody going to give him a shot at a starting job next season just simply because he is Jameis Winston. He's been in this New Orleans Saints offense, so he's kind of had a, a good quarterback tutor there and been able to learn some things. Do you think he gets a shot next year? Uh, I think if I were the Bears, I wouldn't mind giving Jameis Winston a shot, right? If you're if you're a team that's really stagnant offensively and you feel like you're not really sure what the direction of your franchise is, that's the type of team that's going to want to try to invest in Jameis Winston because you're not really risking a lot, right? You're not going to give him a seven-year deal as a franchise quarterback. Um, You're going to give him a one- or two-year deal and say, maybe we can strike lightning in a bottle here and uh, we can find something that works. So I do think maybe there's a handful of teams that could try it. I think most of the teams would prefer to have the exact situation that the Saints have, which is let's have our steady – starting quarterback, and then if something goes wrong, at least we bring in a talented guy as the backup, which is what Winston is. Um, You know, I'll look. I'll take a look around really quick, right? If I look in the Jets division, is there a possibility that the Patriots could consider Jameis Winston as a starting quarterback? Absolutely. That's one, right? Uh, Everybody in the North is set on their situations right now, unless the Steelers want to bring him in as the eventual short-term replacement for Roethlisberger, right? But nobody else there. Indianapolis, Tennessee set, Houston set, Jacksonville depends on what pick they get in the draft, right? If they are able to get Fields, it's not going to matter. Or Mm -hmm. maybe you bring Winston in until Fields is ready. So Jacksonville's on the list of possibilities. Chiefs are out. Vegas, I think they're they're feeling pretty good about Derek Carr. He's playing some good ball. That's going to be tough. Drew Locke is on the fringe. So Denver's a team that might want to look at a Winston and bring him in for a competition. So that makes a, three or four teams right there. The he's Giants. He's a Florida guy. He's not going to Denver. He's a Florida guy. He's not right. <laughs> right. He would struggle. He would struggle with the weather. But like, we might as well go through it because it it's yeah. a really interesting topic. Yeah. The Giants are another one. 
right? Daniel Jones is on the fringe. He's playing decent. Uh, I don't know if they want to go forward with him. Obviously, we know the Bears I previously mentioned. Carolina would be a really good one because I think Bridgewater is just a placeholder. If they wanted to shoot for it, think about it with their weapons, with Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, McCaffrey next year, you could rack up a lot of stats with Winston. So I would say, yeah, there's a there's a good chance one team at least is going to take a chance on him as a starter. All right. Uh, when you touched on the Bears, Nick Foles, has, and I, I know NFL contracts can get you know changed really quick in the drop of a hat, but mm-hmm. Nick Foles is signed for three years. Three years. I almost spit my coffee on my microphone. This time. <laughs> I, I held it in. Could you, ima- could you imagine? One thing about Nick Foles, which is really funny, because I remember during my offseason uh, research, I was really looking into everything very deeply this year because we had a little bit of extra time on our hands with, with COVID and whatnot. And I specifically remember seeing that Nick Foles was only 32 years old. And I'm like, what? Nick Foles is only 32. I, the way he moves out there, I thought he was like 37 and I, or at least, or closer to 40. And I thought he's been in the league for like 15 years. It's, it just seems like he's been around forever. So the answer in the scenario that we're in right now is uh, you got to put him in the same group, just slightly above the two guys we talked about before. It's a good little trio there. Uh, Flacco, Dalton, and Foles. I would rank <laughs> Foles at the top of that group. I would say, right? I, you could make a nice uh, a trio. They bring out the trumpets and the horns. They could be like a washed up, a washed up band of guys playing music together. That's what it is. So yeah, Nick Foles is a backup. That's the, that's the point. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. Um, <laughs> oh, Cam Newton. He one one point seven five for Cam Newton this year. Uh, one year contract, of course, and and that runs out at the end of this year. Has he? Is he going to get a new starting job next season? Uh, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said no shot in heck. Uh, if this past week, I don't know how much you watched of mm-hmm. their game on Sunday night, I believe it was. No, Monday night against the Jets. Um, the totally different offense. And it scared me to death. Let me tell you why. I was down by 19 point something points in one of my leagues. And the other team had nobody left. And I had Cam Newton. It was a double quarterback league. So, of course, you have guys like that on your team. So I had Newton. So when I heard before the game, Josh McDaniels made a comment that you're going to see a new version of this offense that you've never seen before, and you're going to see a Cam Newton that you've never seen before, you know right away I was like, wait a minute, they're going to tell him to stop running the ball, which is, of course, how you get all your fantasy points out of Cam Newton. So I was like, are you kidding me? The one time I need him to have a monster game, this is when they decide he doesn't scramble anymore. So honestly, it worked out to a little bit of both. They only scrambled with him in the red zone. So it was actually true. They cut out all of his running plays in the middle of the field uh, and an outside scoring range, you know, not in the red zone. So it was a different offense. And uh, he played much better. They basically had a two-back set. They did a lot of play action. And they were looking for quick release plays where he's not hanging on to the ball for too long. So mm-hmm. credit the Patriots because it was the wheels were coming off. And they did get outplayed in a lot of this game by the Jets. But just the idea that they were like, we got to try something else. Because Stidham is so bad, we can't even use him. So we got to figure out a way to use Newton in a better way. So the answer is, I would say it's a similar situation to Winston. Winston is better. He brings you more upside, but because there's about six or seven teams on the fringe who may even draft a quarterback and then feel that the quarterback's not ready. I would say that Newton's at the very end of the line. He's like number 32 out of 32 starting teams. So I'm going to say, yes, he'll, he'll get a chance from one team to compete for a starting job. Not necessarily that he'll get it. Okay. All right. I could see that. And I could see him being a little mix in Washington as well for that mm. quarterback role. Taysom right. Hill, 
checks in at $16 million this year, but his contract expires. What, who, what's the NFL going to do with Taysom Hill? He'll be a 30-year-old quarterback next year. Uh, tight end. Uh, running back. I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, did you hear the comment? It was really interesting, actually, uh, in the blowout game when the Saints destroyed the Bucks, which I thought was really interesting, right? A lot of people were upset because it wasn't a good game, but you learned a lot in that game about Michael Thomas's impact on the entire field and the way the game is played when he's out there. So that was an interesting game. But the comment was Chris Collinsworth had a meeting with Sean Payton about two or three years ago when they were starting to think about using Taysom Hill a little bit more. And Collinsworth said, basically, when we meet, as the announcers with the coaches, uh, they don't want to give us any information. They, they want to keep everything close to the vest. They're not going to give you any of the X's and O's. And he made a comment about, you know what? I think I'm going to start using Taysom Hill more. And Chris Collinsworth thought he was blowing him off. That was, that was the point of the story. He's like, oh, God, here we go with these stupid answers that I get from coaches. So the point is the team that can use him still the most is New Orleans. Can they afford him? where another team is going to come along and say, maybe we'll take a chance and put him into a wildcat mix or use him like the Saints use him and pay him more money. Or if we're really desperate, do we try something dramatic for one year and make him a starting quarterback? Oof. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's going to come down to which general manager in the league says, how desperate is my team and how do I want to use this guy? So he's absolutely at the top of the backup quarterbacks, even though technically he's the third string quarterback on the Saints. So, you know, if you're ranking 33 to 64, he's definitely at the top of that group for backups. I don't think he'll get a chance as a starter, but I do think it'll be hard for the Saints to afford keeping him with all the talent that they have on their roster. So I think he goes elsewhere as a backup quarterback. Interesting. That, that It's an interesting uh, uh, situation they found themselves in there in New Orleans. Last one, Jay, uh, uh, John, it's Dak Prescott. $31 million contract last season. I think that that was, uh, what, franchise tag probably. Right. Da- Dak's staying in Dallas, right? I mean, they're going to take care of him. But the question is, does he want to stay in Dallas? I, I can't see him testing the waters with his injury. Uh, I think he's going to want to take that guaranteed money for one more year. If they, I believe they can refranchise him is what a lot of the chatter has been. And Jerry Jones uh, was very petulant. He was like, are you kidding me? Dak Prescott's our quarterback. Like, right. There's no doubt about it. Which is funny, by the way, right? Because of all the people when they signed Andy Dalton, it, there's a lot of morons out there that watch football. <laughs> let me let me make that statement, right? There's a lot of complete idiots. No offense to those people, no. but they're morons because they were saying, oh, the Cowboys got Andy Dalton, so they don't need to re-sign Prescott. Prescott's not that good. And I, I briefly mentioned this on a past show, but can you watch the games? Ser- seriously, people, if you're going to talk about football – Watch the games. Dak Prescott's one of the best players in the NFL. And not only that, he's shown that he's going to get better every year. And before his devastating injury this year, he once again got better. So every year of his career, he's gotten better. He's gone from a very good game manager to a Pro Bowl quarterback to a superstar. That's what his quarter, That's what his career has been. So the answer is yes, I do think he'll make sure he gets that guaranteed nice money for one more year in case something happens with an injury, right? I don't know if another team's going to invest long term. So he'll get that high salary for one year. I think he'll stick with the Cowboys, and if they treat him right and he plays well, I think he'll re-up with them because it's a high-profile spot, and it's a popular spot to play. Uh, You get a lot of good exposure. You get some nice endorsements. Everybody likes you if you do well. So I think ultimately I think he'll stay with the Cowboys. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that he is their guy. Look, John, we got we got we we always pick the games here against yeah. the spread. We start mixing in a little bit of DFS in there, a little fantasy football as well. But that's kind of our our bread and butter. 
if you mm-hmm. so to speak, you know, bread mm-hmm. butter is, is we like to pick them against the spread because it makes things look really, really interesting. And we haven't done that for a single time yet. And we've been on the show for about 15, 20 minutes, it feels like now. So we got to get into these games. And the first game on our docket mm-hmm. are the, is the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it didn't have an opening line. It, it, it's kind of really weird the way it did it. I think it was because Ben Roethlisberger, of course, was on COVID uh, right. alert. And now now he's able to play. we got Joe Burrow going to Pittsburgh. Weather's going to be a little bit iffy there in Pittsburgh. And right now, the point total, let's just go with that, uh, this, let's say, I guess, consensus thing. We don't have an opening. 46-point total. And the Steelers are favored by seven and a half points. It's a great game to start with because it's really tricky because I'm going to tell you why. We thought Tennessee maybe would outclass the Bengals, and that didn't happen because Joe Burrow is a rising star, and T. Higgins is coming on, and Tyler Boyd's as steady as they come, and Zach Taylor's coming up some with some wacky stuff, some tricky stuff offensively, and Gio Bernard is playing really well, filling in for Joe Mixon. So you got a lot going on here with Cincinnati. So your, your initial instinct here is going to be to say, well, if they could beat Tennessee straight up, then they're going to cover seven and a half points against mm-hmm. the Steelers, right? That's the first instinct you're going to have just because of what happened against Tennessee. Now, the flip side is I'm going to tell you when you play against Pittsburgh's defense, it's different than anything else you've seen. And we saw Tampa Bay. They got holes in that defense. We thought they were one of the elite defenses. The Saints picked them apart, right? Indianapolis they did let Tennessee move the ball on them, and their best play of the game against Tennessee was actually a special teams play where they blocked the punt and took it for a touchdown. So if you want to throw Indianapolis in that group, still, I have some issues with them not being at Pittsburgh's level. Same thing with Baltimore. There are certain games where they look pretty solid, then they break at the wrong time. Now, we're talking about the best defenses in the league here. So those teams are in there, but Pittsburgh is the animal that's different than everybody else. That's the point. So I don't think you can say... Joe Burrow did well against the Titans. Now he's going to do well enough against Pittsburgh that easy. That's all I'm going to say. I am ultimately going to take the Bengals to cover the spread. But if the Steelers find a way to make a couple of big defensive plays and they steal this line in the second half throughout the second half by outclassing them on both sides of the ball, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm just going to ride with Burrow because I have a lot of faith in him. But you can't do it that easily. That's my point. Okay, you know, I I understand what you're saying, and I want to make sure everybody understands. There's going to be like a, a terrible weather conditions there as far as football goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, I scrolled right past it, and I cannot find it again. Let's see, how does Cincinnati start? What's the first letter there? Cinsa, Cinsa. Okay, I got it. Uh, 27 mile per hour winds in Cincinnati, and there's a chance of precipitation all throughout that. The the temperature is going to be fine, so it's going to be really windy, going to be wet, going to be rainy. Um, I, I look, I. I, I hear what you're saying about Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Mm. I I don't think this is going to be an offensive shootout like I kind of thought it would be whenever I first looked at the point total just simply because of the weather. I don't I don't like seven and a half points for Pittsburgh in this scenario because I don't know that anybody's going to be able to score more than ten. Okay, so that that's so I'm going to put I'm going to fade with you. I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this, and I like the under. Whenever I get in those thirty mile per hour wind areas. It always seems to the, the 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 point total always seems to go under. So I'm just going to take the under, and I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. So we'll agree on half on that because I'll take the over because you know I don't really factor in the wind that much and the weather unless it's the kickers. So that that's just my feeling. Actually, earlier on this season, you actually had said the same thing when the weather started to come into play that you know sometimes we overreact to the weather. Mm-hmm. So you you flip flopped on that a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah I I think for kickers it matters. 
for the teams, don't forget the Bengals defense is still terrible yeah. in the bottom third of the league, if not the bottom quarter, even even worse. So that's why I'm going to take the over, but I'll, I'll stick with us agreeing on taking the Bengals with the spread. Yeah, it, it's that it's right at that 30 mile per hour wind point when I do say, oh, OK, yeah, it's, it's very windy there. So if it gets 30s, then I'm then I'm a little bit my my antennas go up. But if it's okay. below 30, then I don't I don't really care. All Got right, it. Washington, Washington, Detroit. Right now, that point total is sitting at 46 points for the game. And Detroit is favored by three and a half points, John. I'm going to flip out right now. I, 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 I can't even look at this game because I have to look at Matthew Stafford's name. Let okay. me tell you what happened to me so you could have a good laugh, my friend. I was going to text it to you, but other people knew what the situation was, and they were making fun of me, and they were laughing about it, and they were calling me about it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk to anybody else about it. I can't take it anymore. Okay. I thought okay. it, in one of my leagues where I needed to win, I'm not eliminated now, but I felt I needed to win to stay alive. Certain things broke my way in terms of the standing, so I'm not dead yet. But I thought I was duping the last place team in the league when I looked early in the week. And I was like, let me trade. It was the two-quarterback two league with Newton that I was talking about before. It all mm -hmm. comes together here. Let me trade Mayfield, who's on the bye, and Sterling Shepard in a two-for-one because I got to win this week. I'll trade for Stafford, who's against Minnesota, who's been the worst defense against the passing attack, right? We've been talking about it all season. And the guy I'm trading with is not going to have his second quarterback because Mayfield's going to be on the bye. And I know he's not paying attention to that. So I pull off the move. He accepts the trade. I'm like, look at me. I'm a genius. <laughs> Stafford has seven points. His lowest total of the season was 13.5. He has seven points, and I lose by .2. All he had to do was have eight points. He threw two interceptions in the end zone back-to-back -back in that game, and then he got a concussion on top of that. Oh. Could it get any worse than that? Help me out, Wes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak out. No, and, and look, you got a bright side looking. It can't get any worse than that. Like you said, you, you, you found the floor. Right. You found the floor. So that's important to know, because you know, if, if whenever you were younger and you had a little too many cocktails to drink, the best thing you could do is find the floor. So then your head stops spinning. Right. And, and, and maybe that's what you've done here. OK. OK. Well, then if that's the case, then I guess you you might like Detroit in this game. I'm going to be spiteful. I'm taking Washington because I'm very upset with Stafford and I got to play him again this week. I have to play. I have to play him again because it's two quarterbacks. I don't have a choice. So I'm stuck with him again. And no, in, in reality now, breaking it down for real, the issue that I have is Kenny Galladay's out again and watching that. I did watch a lot of that game last week, straight up play for play. The issue they were having was red zone without Kenny Galladay. Not even if, first of all, he led the league wide receivers and touchdowns last year. A lot of people don't realize that he had the most wide receiver touchdowns in the NFL. Now, even if he doesn't catch it, you know that the opposing defense is going to focus on him, which is going to open up Hawkinson, and it's going to open up Amendola, it's going to open up Cephas and all those guys, and Marvin Jones, who always feasts off of other people paying attention to Galladay. So that was the problem they had, and they have that problem again this week. So the short story is, I like Washington's defense, and I think the same problem is going to happen for Detroit. They're going to move the ball. Stafford had plenty of yards. That wasn't the issue. The issue is the red zone. They're going to have to settle for field goals. I'm going to take Washington to cover the spread here. Okay, I can I can understand why you're thinking that. I just think that Detroit outclasses them at home. Uh, mm. Washington on the road. I I just uh, boy, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me think about this. I'm I'm putting it in my calculator right now. All right, because I, I've been thinking about this game the entire week. And on the Baby Bowl podcast, our winner from last week, um, he he ended up bringing up a great. Com a point about uh, Adrian Peterson having kind of a revenge game, and that's yeah, possible here with Washington as well. So I could see AP going off. I I don't know, man. I I 
Boy, this is a tough one, John. This is a tough one. Because it's a weird, point you total. can't call it a revenge game when the Redskins, they, they were the Redskins at the time, they saved his career. A lot of people were down yeah. on Peterson, so I don't even I don't buy into that. They gave him a chance to revive his career, and now it's worked. He's still playing. So I wouldn't even call it a revenge game. That's just my two cents. Okay. Well, and I've got to make a decision here. I don't like Detroit's offense. They weren't able to score a lot. A couple of red zone things. I, okay, I'll take Detroit. So I just... <laughs> That's it. I took I took Detroit and the forty six point total. I actually think that's a little bit under. I, I know that Washington is a, got a stout defense, but I could see them really concentrating on the run this game. And I know Washington's defense is pretty good against the run, but man, mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I, I I like Detroit in this game, so we'll be on opposites of that one. Next one, Houston at Cleveland. You talk about some bad weather. Woo! This one they're <laughs> going to be wanting to get off the field. Look at the point total. <clears throat> Started at fifty five and a half, dropped down to forty. Five and a half right now, John, yep, for the yep, game yep. total. Wow. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the, the Browns are favored by three and a half points. I don't know what we're going to see here, except for a lot of running. Yeah, I think that based on the drop of the line in the over-under, and also based on the line itself, that it was opening at two and a half and now it's at four, uh, I think this everything about this game is telling us it's going to be close. So right before this... Again, as always, I like to shout out my father-in-law, Mike, because we do our picks together. And shout out to my dad, Big Fro. He just turned 66 yesterday. So shout out to my two dads, two great guys, sports, a lot of sports knowledge between the two of them. They're more baseball experts, but still. So I did the picks right before this with the spread. And right away when I saw this game, all the indicators were telling me it's going to be close. Therefore, I'm going to ignore the fact that the line went up toward Cleveland, right? They were two and a half. Now they're minus four. So the line's telling you to take Cleveland like they're going to pull away or something. I'm going to ignore that because it's a close game and I'm going to focus my brain on Watson versus Mayfield. That's why I'm taking Watson because when it gets to the nitty gritty, I think he's going to make less mistakes and he's going to have more moxie and more heart and more skill than Mayfield. So I'm taking the Texans. Okay, I'm taking the Texans too. And uh, just if, if it was if it was three points, I would say that it's going to end up being a push. If it was under three, I'd end up taking Cleveland. Probably I could see this one being decided by a field goal or you know just somewhere in that range of of a late touchdown, even putting it over that three and a half point mark or keeping it there under the three and a half point mark. Excuse me. Yeah, so I'm taking Houston. If we're talking fantasy, by the way, I think David Johnson's out. So you're going to see a lot of Duke Johnson uh, in DraftKings and in FanDuel mm-hmm. and in season long. I have to use him on one team. I'm sure you guys, if you have a lot of teams, you probably have him somewhere as well. So this is a week where, well, make it or break it, right? He's going to get his chance without David Johnson. Who knows how he'll do, but he get plenty of opportunities in this game. Yeah, I'm trying to stay away from this game if I possibly can, just mm-hmm. because of those weather conditions. Not a lot of high fantasy points going to be scored in this one. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Luton heading to Green Bay, and it's going to be bad weather conditions there too. Possibly snowy, getting into that 30-mile-per-hour gust range again against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, John. The Packers right now are favored by 13.5 points. This this game total dropped from 55 down to 47.5. Oh, boy. John, is this this too big of a stage and too bad of weather for this Luton fella to go into Green Bay and make any kind of fantasy impact at all? It just looks like one of those games where we're going to have to play it safe because the line is so high. We're going to have to take Jacksonville because of the percentages, right? So you very rarely see a line that high where the team that's getting the points is 46%. So less than half the people are taking the team getting 13 and a half points. That's rare. Obviously, Joe Schmo better. They see a team that's a huge underdog and they say, well, 
they're not going to lose by that many points. And usually it's like 60 or 65%. So I'm just going to play it safe. Like you said, conditions could be sloppy. And here's my main reason. I think because Green Bay's defense is remains weak, right? I think James Robinson will be the key to controlling the clock in this game. Obviously, the Packers are going to win. If they lose this game, that's a nightmare for them. So I'm taking the Packers and the fit picks. No questions about that. But I think James Robinson will run the clock a little bit. They'll try to play physical. They'll try to play into those weather conditions. So I'm going to take Jacksonville to lose this game by 10, which is going to cover the spread for Jacksonville. I agree with you. I think that point spread is just too high hmm. to be able to be covered. I think the weather is going to play a bigger condition in this one just to you know keep that point total down. If if I, I'd probably take Jacksonville if it was pretty outside too, just to be honest with you. Um, and I'll probably want to take that under in this game as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me just see. The, it dropped eight points. So I would say yeah, yeah. one. Let's put it this way: side by side with the previous game, right? The previous game, Houston and Cleveland, the over/under line dropped by ten points. This game, it dropped by seven and a half. One of those two games, I can guarantee you, is going to go over because it's too much of a sucker's bet. They're they're basically showing their hand by dropping it by that many points. They're trying to put you in a position where you're like, oh, it's dropping. Maybe it'll keep dropping, and I'm just going to take the under. So basically, it's a pick 'em between those two. One of those games is going to hit the over. I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to go with Houston and Cleveland hitting the over because I think that Jacksonville Green Bay line is a little bit higher, 47 and a half, and the conditions are just as bad. So I'm, I'll take over in Houston and Cleveland. I'll take under in Jacksonville and Green Bay. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. That 46 point mark seems to be that. Hey, these are two bad teams or bad games in uh, weather conditions, and sometimes it even drops down to 42 in those kind of certain weather conditions. But I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's good read, good read on those two. And Thank if you, you jump back up to that Pittsburgh game, even at the beginning of it, it's it's at 46. So it's kind of like they're all right there. The weather kind of keeps it at 46 for those tough weather condition games. All right, yep. next one. Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz has all of his tools, has all of his weapons back right now, John, going up against the New York Giants, who, can I say this, are are starting to warm up a little bit? I don't know what's yeah. changed. They're starting to warm up a little bit, though. This game total is at 44 and a half, <laughs> and there's no weather conditions at all. So this is just 44. Well, I, well, there's weather conditions. We're not playing on the moon or anything, is it? We're not in a tunnel. We're not. So there are weather conditions, but none that we need to be concerned about. 44 and a half, and the Eagles are favored by only three and a half points. Yeah, uh, very tough. One of the toughest games on here. I'm going to play it safe and straightforward and simple here in that there's a couple things going on with the line that are telling me it's pretty safe to take the Eagles here. That's that it opened at three. It went to three and a half and now it went to four and it's still only 56% on the Eagles. So you're getting a pretty good price here to take them to win the game by a touchdown, right? Would, would anybody be surprised if the Eagles won this game 24 to 17? Nobody would be surprised. So you're getting the right price to take the Eagles with Fulgham, as you mentioned, now is their number one. Jeffrey is back this week. Rieger's back. Goddard's back. Miles Sanders is back. Actually, when you look at it and you go back to the beginning of the year, this is why I like the Eagles because when they got everybody, they sound pretty good. Sounds Mm -hmm. like a pretty strong team. So I'm going to play it safe. But like you said, hats off to the Giants for competing every week, for things are going in the right direction. I can give you two answers for that very simply. Number one is Sterling Shepard coming back is a key possession receiver. Very key. People forget how important it is to get first downs. Forget about the long plays and the touchdowns. He keeps your drives going because he's a good blocker also. He helps other guys get open, 
and he also gets those underneath patterns to get you a first down. So that was a key return for them. They're playing better with him. The second thing is Jason Garrett's calling some good games. He does a real good job managing the clock, switching the run and the pass, uh, trying to keep the other team off balance, trying not to let Daniel Jones throw the game away, which is what he so wants to do. There's some part of his being that he wants to throw the game away. So hats off to Shepard and to the Giants overall and Jason Garrett for making them competitive. They will be competitive once again this week. I'm going to take the exact score that I said. I'm going to take Eagles 24-17 and win by a touchdown. Oh, 24-17. What's the math on that? 11, that's 41? That's 40. Yeah, exactly right. No, I, th- I think the score, the uh, over-under is about right. So that's how I came yeah. with that line, 24-17. Right. I got Philadelphia in this game. I'm taking the over. It's just, that's a that's a low point total for an NFL game nowadays, 44 and a half. So I'm mm-hmm. going to take the over in that one. And I understand uh, the situations that are going on there. But both of these teams are able to put the ball in the end zone. And I just, I think the over looks really good in that one. I got to right. tell you, speaking of putting the ball in the end zone, I got to go back to when the Giants played the Bucks on national TV. I believe it was a Sunday or a Monday night game. Yeah. Uh, that was one heck of a drive by Daniel Jones. Even though they lost the game by two points, this is what he does. He tricks you, right? You're like, wow, when he shows flashes of what he can do, right? In that situation there against Tampa Bay's defense, which we hadn't seen Tampa Bay's debacle against the Saints yet. So this is when we still thought Tampa Bay was top two for sure in defense. He, with the game on the line, with not a lot of time left, took them the length of the field, okay? Fourth and 16 or something like that, under immense pressure, fading back on the wrong leg with two guys in the backfield chasing him down. He throws across his body and connects on a first down to save the game, which was amazing. That's like a Brett Favre type of thing. You know what I mean? Like just ad-libbing and doing something wild. So he does that. Then two plays later, he he threads the needle on a 30-yard pass in heavy coverage, right? And he connects on a touchdown to get them within two points. So that's what Daniel Jones does. When he shows you those flashes, you go, wow. Maybe he could be good. Maybe there's something here. And then, of course, when he makes those boneheaded interceptions, you go, maybe he's just a little bit better version of Sam Darnold to compare the New York quarterbacks. So it's a tough situation for the Giants to evaluate. But like you said, every once in a while, they can hang those points on you. Speaking of Tampa Bay, John, we got Tampa Bay this week heading to Carolina. They are favored. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are favored by six points in this one. That point total has moved up through about three points, three and a half points. It is sitting at 50 and a half right now. It started out at 47. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by six, 50 and a half point total. This is a tough one for me because it's that interdivisional game. And they're meet, meeting up again for the second time. And really, I don't know what to I, I don't I, I don't know what's going on in Tampa Bay. Is they, have they hit a wall? Yeah, NFC South is like where you you look at the games and you close your laptop. I'm looking at a laptop right now. You close your laptop, you go over to the wall, and you just start banging your head against the wall with these (laughs) NFC South teams, right? Because our old team that we always said that about was Atlanta. So they're in the same division. You never know what to do with Atlanta in these games. Uh, Carolina is becoming that kind of team. So even more than Tampa Bay. Right, you never know which version of Carolina is going to show up with mm-hmm. McCaffrey, without McCaffrey. Is it Mike Davis? Is Bridgewater going to play at his top level? Is he going to play at the worst level where he doesn't even look like a starting quarterback? When he's on his game, he looks like a very good quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get. Matt Rule is doing a really good job, the rookie head coach, so no issues there. He's done quite well. They're very competitive. They're very similar to the Giants in the way they're competing in every game, even though they're losing a lot of the games. So yeah, that's the problem here. And now you got two teams in that problem division going against each other. I'm just going to guess. I'm going to guess because the line went down a half a point uh, on FanDuel. It went from six to five and a half going down toward the Panthers. And because the Panthers are home 
end, because the Panthers are only 42% bet by the public, I'm just going to gamble on this and say they're going to cover the spread somehow. I can't give you a technical reason because I don't know how they're going to play. They're so inconsistent in their performance. But I'm going to take Carolina to cover the spread. I'm going to take Tampa Bay and the fit picks to win the game straight. I, I agree with you. I think the six points is too much for Tampa Bay to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see them winning this game in the last drive or something like that, uh, But or or Carolina losing the game in the last drive. I just think that six points is too much. Fifty and a half, eh, sounds about right. All right, so <laughs> sounds about right. Hey, uh, this this next game, before we get into that, let me remind everybody, follow John. Uh, John, I almost said John Legend again. Boy, I did that every ahead. week. If, John, listen, at, as long as you say it and not me, it's not copyright infringement. I mean, okay. I'm not calling myself John Legend. You're doing it. <laughs> It's because you are at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. A great follow on Twitter, by the way. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Loafinet on Twitter. Don't forget to look for the show at FI Today with a little underscore. That's where we will put our fit picks up there. And I always pin those up there by the end of the week or by the beginning part of Sunday anyway. At FI Today with a little underscore. You can head over to Anchor FM, find whatever listening platform you feel comfortable in listening to the show on. You can find uh, Fantasy Impact Today right there on that site. And just make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the stars. Make sure you leave a review and leave a comment. And don't forget to head over to John Frisella blog. And John, the reason why I wanted to put that in here right now is because Denver versus Las Vegas this week is is a, one of those matchups. And Denver, you have put out a coach's hot seat list. You put out like you ranked the whole entire entire coaches. And I think the Denver coach is is he on the hot seat? Yeah, Vic Fangio is on the hot seat, right? I'll run off the numbers. So what I did here, so again, it's uh, johnfrasellasports.blogspot.com. Wes likes me to keep that active, even though you guys know him over at Aaron Torres online as the lead fantasy columnist there. Um, And of course, here with Wes on the show. But I keep that John Frisella Sports going. So this week we did the head coach power rankings. And what I did there was give you a little bit of context. So I ranked them based on tiers. Also, I gave you the current record in case you're not paying that much attention. I gave you their all-time record and their all-time winning percentage as a head coach. Fangio right now, Broncos are 3-5, and five, as we know. All-time, he's only 10-14 and 14 over the two seasons. He's winning only 41% of his games, and they started off slow. And I think the problem with him is he's not that much of a tactician, right? I think he's more of a defensive coordinator. And a lot of times you see a guy like him get a chance as a head coach, then he loses the job and goes back to being a defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles right? Who got fired by the Jets, then went back to being coordinator with the Bucks. So I think that's what's going to happen to Fangio. I think no matter what happens with Denver, he'll get fired. And next year or the year after, you'll see him as a defensive coordinator. No, and he made a great defensive coordinator, of course, with the Bears. And, and right. that's you know, it was just awesome. And and John, I got to ask you, you know, I, I'm over here on your blog site right now, John Priscilla blog, mm-hmm. blog spot. Uh, and and here I see all the different ones, the, all the different coaches, and then you got two blocks. Are you selling two blocks like the little Legos for kids here? What what are you doing? What was oh, this? So, so yeah, so I'll, well, I'll teach you a little bit about technology, my friend. So that my blog is sponsored by Google AdSense, right? So it's okay. like something that you can apply for, and then they kind of read your content and they decide if it's worth it to put ads on it. So I actually don't pick them. So I I have the code in there, the ad code, and then they just rotate based on the people that are clicking because you know the analytics nowadays they figure what are people that are reading john's stuff gonna buy and click on for advertisements so that's where they come from a little bit of enlightenment so i I thought maybe it was because you know you have a child on the way as you uh, discussed a couple of weeks ago you have a child on the way and so i thought maybe you know hey i'm gonna start selling kids stuff you know because your mind's always moving a million miles an hour and everything (laughs) 
and by the way, are we to the point to where now I can play my little game of trying to guess oh, yeah, what, what sex the child is going to be? Oh, yeah. I'm ready for you. So last week we did our review. We found out the gender of the baby gender a couple of Thursdays ago. And then we got the immediate family together with some proper social distancing and, and uh, just the close-knit group there. And uh, we did a little reveal. And I held the video away from you because I know you had some questions for me. So I'm ready for you, my man. Okay, and, and I gotta give credit where credit is due. There's a there's a big radio show down here in Alabama. It started here. I think it's gone nationwide now. Of course, it's called the Rick and Bubba Show, and uh, that's very apropos for down here in Alabama, I suppose. But they uh, they they used to do this thing, and it was always fun to do. And I, I just thought I'd do it with you of trying to guess the gender of the child. Okay, and so they asked okay. a couple of questions. Usually they ask it to the female. I, I know your the missus isn't around right now, so I'll just ask you. Uh, it, it, is your wife, what kind of cravings is she having? Is she having more salty cravings or is she having more sweet cravings? You, you know what? She's really been eating pretty steady the way that she normally would. So that's an honest answer. There there hasn't been anything wild. You know, like you hear all these mm-hmm. old wives tales and all these stories about, oh, run out and get me such and such at two o'clock. I mean, nothing like that at all. I mean, literally steady. So the answer to that is it's a mix of both and a, and a normal diet. Okay. All right. So you're trying to make things difficult on me. That's fine. Hey, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. All right. So does she sleep a lot more or is she just, is this making her hyper? Is this making her a hyper uh, lady or is this, you know, does she, is she like, Oh, I'm so tired. I just got to sleep. The answer is yes. There are, there is definitely more napping going on than usual. Okay. And, and that's because, you know, she's got, she's got a little one inside of her. She has, she's like climbing mountains each and every day, John, right now, her body's going through some, a whole lot of changes. I hope you are being very, very patient with that lady. All right. Oh, she's, she's even better. She's been unbelievable. She's really, she's really taken to it. She's been amazing. So no complaints here from the legend. Is she flipping or has she made you read the, what to expect when you're expecting book, things like that? Not yet. No. With it. If you have not gone out and gotten that for her, you need to go out there and get that for her, John. All right. Last question for me. Last question. A lot of sleeping. I've got to take a little note here. Uh, okay. it, this gets a little personal. Okay. Okay. Are, are, are you a boxer guy or are you a brief guy? Oh, boxers. Boxers. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So, yes. All right. So what I suspect this with di- diagnosing all this, you didn't h- help me at all on cravings at all. You said she's just eating everything. And I gave usually, it no, a normal diet. She's not eating uh, everything. Uh, actually, you know, I, that was an honest answer. Well, and, and, yeah, normal diet. She's eating everything normal and right. she's sleeping a lot more. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to say that this is going to be a little boy. John, that, that is my gender reveal guess right now. A little boy because of your boxers abilities there and that uh-huh. she is sleeping a lot more. Okay, drum roll, please. Wes is wrong as usual. Fade me. You can fade me, I guess, (laughs) on this gender reveal. So we're very excited. It's going to be a little girl. And I I knew that for years. I always tell people I just always envisioned uh, that I would have a girl. I don't know why. Not like, you know, just like your natural thoughts. I always thought the first one would be a girl. So uh, not the least bit surprised. Uh, On the bright side for you, my wife was pretty sure it was going to be a boy. So you guys were on the same page. Unfortunately, you were both wrong. Yeah, well, the sleeping usually indicates a girl, but uh, usually the boxers veto a lot of the in-betweens. So that's, that's why I went. Uh, that's very good. Did you know that Weslina makes a very good girl name? I've gotten now. I remember you mentioning that in the past but when we first heard about things, and I have it on my list. And it's funny. I've gotten some, some more submissions of male names of people wanting me to name my child after them in a girl version of a male name. 
So you're not, you're actually not the only one. I've gotten four submissions. So uh, I'll put you on the list and, uh, you know, we'll look it over. All right. Back to our picks here. Denver at Las Vegas. Right now, Las Vegas is finding every way they possibly can to win games. It's, a, it's amazing what they're doing there in Las Vegas. John Gruden's really turned that thing around and, and their front office as well. This point total is sitting at 50 and a half for this point game or for this total for the game. And the Vegas is favored by four points, John. Yeah, dropped a half a point to three and a half, uh, opened at four. And I feel like my instinct, which I did these picks earlier today, was that if the going gets tough, I'm going to take Gruden's coaching over Fangio's. I'm going to take their overall game plan over Denver's. And I think the Raiders are now teaching themselves. And when they get together in the huddle and they get together in the locker room, they feel like they can win. And that's what happens when you beat up the champs, right? They they destroyed the Chiefs and dominated them. And I think they have that in their mind. So my all-around instinct was to take the Raiders. And also, to me, they're they're steadier. I feel like I can understand them better. The question for Denver now, you have two variables, right? Drew Locke is starting to put it together now. So are you going to buy in or not? That's the first question. How about you? Well, before I continue, are you buying into Locke starting to play better? Or is it just a couple of game blip? Uh, no, listen, it, who who was their backup there in Denver for just a hot minute whenever everybody started going on the the injured reserve? He used to play in Jacksonville. Uh, they had Rippon and they had Driscoll. They had both of them played. Yeah, but uh, I think they signed Bortles. Didn't they sign Blake Bortles as well for just a brief minute? And, and Blake, yeah, they did, they did. And Bortles was a backup quarter, or Bortles, of course, at Jacksonville, he made his heyday there in the second half every single game whenever the game was out of reach. And, and him and Allen Robinson and, and Allen Hearns would just sit there and light up the scoreboard all the time. And I think that's what Drew Locke has walked away with from leaning on Blake Bortles, sitting on Blake Bortles' knee. He said, Uncle Blake, tell me a story. And, and Blake used to tell him about all the garbage time games that he had in Jacksonville. <laughs> And that's exactly what Drew Locke has done. Drew, Drew Locke walked away with that, just smiling ear to ear. And that's what he's become. He's become a great second half garbage time prevent defense quarterback. And and that's what he is. And I, I don't think that it's clicking all the way whenever a team is, I don't know, trying, I guess, or not in the prevent defense. So I don't think it's really clicked yet for Locke. I know he's got a lot of weapons, but those guys are a second half, third quarter, fourth quarter team. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a really good example because I actually I remember that year very well because there was one year where actually Jacksonville made it to the AFC Championship, as we recall. That wasn't the year where he had the good fantasy year. That was a more of a year where they were doing dink and dunk, game manager, let's not turn the ball over because we have the number one rated defense. It was actually a preceding year where it was exactly what you said. The second half of the season and the second half of games, they were getting blown out, and he was racking up all these stats. So mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting comparison. And I remember I had him that year because I had three quarterbacks at the beginning, and I was kind of we had deep benches. And it was a one quarterback league and I had extra spots and I wasn't sure which guy was the starter. And by the end of the year, Bortles was my starter because he was getting all those garbage points. So, so good point on that. Um, the, the other factor that I have to consider with Locke is the fact that they've put all their weapons together now. So now you have Tim Patrick, who was banged up for a little while there. He's back. You got Jerry Judy coming off his two best games really of the season now, starting to look better and also playing better with Locke than he did with the other two backup quarterbacks. So you got that. Then you got Noah Fant if he's at a hundred if he's at a hundred percent or ninety percent it's another guy to count. They got Hamler back from in from injury, so it's a little bit of both. It's a very murky situation. Is it that Locke's getting better, or is it that the field is opening up like it did for Joe Flacco when the Jets got the three receivers back? You know what I mean. So it's a hard call. 
I'm going to go with the Raiders just because I trust them as a group on both sides of the ball to make the right plays in a timely place. That's my call. I agree with you. I'm going with the Raiders as well. I just think they're more, far more experienced. They can win games. Their confidence is sky high right now, and they're finding all kinds of ways to win the game. But I will take the over in this game. It's sitting at 50 and a half. And uh, once again, I just can see this one, uh, the point total going over because both teams can really put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, and a good a good thing to bring up on this game comparatively across the board is it really draws your eyes to the fit picks this week, okay? There are a number of games where norm, you know, there's been certain weeks where you got seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven point favorites, and everybody makes the same picks. This, I'm telling you right now, my friend, mark it down on this show. Fit picks. You got me at Legend Sports Seven. You got Fantasy Coach JB, Jared Barry. You got Pierre. You got Bobby Smith, and you got your host here at Loafing It, Wes Easley. Right? Big week for us here. Look at the games. Now that we look at this one, that's one where honestly you can go either way. You don't even need the spread. Okay, that's one. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia and the Giants. You could honestly go either way. You don't need the spread based on your gut feeling. Houston and Cleveland. You can go either way. Washington and Detroit. But we're coming up on these games. We'll talk about them with the spreads, but let's lay it out there. Buffalo and Arizona. Seattle and the Rams. Right? And the Chargers and the Dolphins. And Minnesota and Chicago. You have nine games where you could take the spread away and you could go either way. So the fit picks are on the line this week, my friend. Pressure's yeah. on. Pressure's on. Hey, P P Pierre's doing great. He's like got a 92 wins, 40 losses or something mm. like that, whatever that, whatever that total is. I was up there at the top of the board two weeks ago, and uh, like you said, these games have gotten a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. And I hear you. I hear Pierre. I hear JB. I hear a lot of voices in my brain, and I've gone on a cold streak. JB went like 13 and one last week, or whatever that, whatever his total was. It, it was unbelievable last week, and uh, there were all though very good winning percentages right now. Very good winning percentages at FI today with a little underscore. That's the pin tweet. You can find all those fit picks there. All right, you're John? gonna you're gonna bounce back. You're gonna bounce back this week because we did our show on Wednesday last week. So you had a terrible week and you stunk oh. up the joint because you had other you had other people chirping in your ear and it was too early in the week. Now you're getting the last word here and you're you're gonna come back around. So I predict a strong week for loafing it and for at Legend Sports Seven this week. Okay, all right. Well, and I get it. This is the time. I'm by well, politics. Politics really got my eye on a lot of different things right now. So <laughs> I'm, a lot of conspiracy theories out there. I'm, I don't like going down those. Hey, this one is, is this one's exactly the opposite of what's been happening in every other game. I think the mm. Buffalo Bills at the Arizona Cardinals. Right. Uh, this one. This one started out at 49 point total. It's gone up to 56 and a half. <laughs> it's gone up seven points, John. It's, that's a lot, but the, the the total is still at Arizona favored by two and a half. That's why I meant to say Arizona's favored by two and a half. This is one of those games where it seems like now all of a sudden Vegas is saying, oh, we, we really undershot that when everybody started taking the over on that. Is it safe to say we need to take the under or is this one going to be in the 60s? Oh, that's tough. It's going to be really tough. I, I'd prefer to start with the spread because there's an interesting item here. Okay. Right. So when Wes and I look at these games and we're doing our show here with you guys and gals, uh, we go to Sports Insights, which is really cool because they give you the spread percentage, which way people are betting in terms of the public. They show you five or six different books and which way the line is going and where it opened. And if you look at the schedule for this week and why I'm bringing it up right now, the only game that has an indicator from the website saying buy pick with a star is this game. So basically they're offering to you that we've analyzed and crunched the numbers 
and you could buy a pick. That's how confident they are. Now, I'm not going to do that, and Wes not going to do that, but I can look at it and tell you what they're going to say. They're going to tell you to take Arizona in this game because Buffalo looked so good last week against Seattle, and they reestablished themselves as a possible deep runner in the AFC getting deep into those playoffs that people are going to have that in their mind while Arizona lost a battle, a great game last week, right? So everyone's going to go with the trends. They're going to think Buffalo and not Arizona, and I bet you the site's going to tell you to take Arizona. So I actually agree. I think Arizona's the play here. The line hasn't moved. It's holding it two and a half points for them to be favorite. I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game by six. But I don't know if we're going to see field goals, but they're going to win it by a couple of field goals. Um, I let's have fun with it. Let's go over just because we want to see a high scoring game. So, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go over and I'm going to go Cardinals. Yeah, that's exactly the way I read this too. Like I went, and whenever I first looked at this one, I've been keeping my eye on this one all week long and I saw the 49 and I was like, 49, both of these teams can score in the thirties, can't they? You know, that's my first initial thought, right? Cause you know, I always do the first numbers. If if the threes add up, then it's going to be a 60 point game. That's what, and, and, and I went, wow, that's, that's really strange. And then all of a sudden it shot up to 56 and a half and I went, whoa. That surely they're not anticipating Arizona. You know, I, I looked at the the first points point spread number, and I went. Surely they're not anticipating Arizona to underscore or underperform this week against Buffalo because Buffalo has let up a lot of points all year long. And mm-hmm. then I went, wait a minute, Buffalo's the team. Buffalo was a mirage. Buffalo was going up against Seattle. They weren't going up against Arizona's secondary. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I started thinking about. And I went, ooh. Yeah, I'm taking Arizona in this game. And then I thought about the under in this game, actually, since it jumped up to 56 and a half. And all the common sense, whenever we look at these numbers, tell me to take the under. And I'm going to. I'm going to take the under. There you go. You're gonna take, You're gonna yeah, take the, it's a tough call, right? Because we don't really know. We don't have a written explanation as to why the line went up so much. Obviously, we know it's because it's two high-scoring teams. Uh, by the way, Arizona is one of those defenses that, yes, we'd probably take them over Buffalo in a one-for-one matchup of defenses, but they're also one of those defenses who then magically disappear some games, right? Mm-hmm. They, they look like when they're on one of the best defenses in the league, when they're off, they look like they're not, they didn't come to play, like they were asleep. So that's another wrench that, throw, that you throw in things. So because we don't have an explanation as to why the line went from 49 to 56 or 56 and a half even on FanDuel, you have to guess. You have to guess, is it because the action is coming in so hard on the over that it pushed the lineup, or is it because the game really is going to go over? So we don't have the answer. So it's good that you and I are on the opposite sides of it. I'll take the over because I'm guessing that it really is going to be a back and forth all the way till the end, or maybe the line went up just because of the action and Wes is going to be right. And it's going to sit around the original line, which was 49. Okay. So I got to point, paint this picture out for a, l- a little bit for you. <clears throat> so Buffalo last week played Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two MVP candidates. Last week playing because quarterback always wins the MVP. You know, it's just how it is. So, so, you, it so Buffalo versus Seattle this week, it's Buffalo versus Arizona. Do you know what we get on Thursday night game? Thursday night. Yeah. Arizona versus Seattle. Isn't that something? I mean, it, all these MVP candidates, you know, I want to say the top three, the top three candidates play each other back to back to back, back however, however that works out. But we have Arizona versus Seattle and Seattle right now is favored by five and a half points in that game. I would take Arizona in a heartbeat in that game. That was, a well, I don't know. Maybe it's a trap, right? Didn't they beat them in a back and forth shootout where Arizona pulled it off at the end? 
If you recall, I don't care. Not- I don't care what happened. I'm telling you right now, Arizona's winning that game by more than five, and you know, they're going to cover that spread, John. Come on. Seems like a trap. I, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's too early to say, right? Because we don't have the indicators. Yeah. It, I just feel like they're trying to get you to think that way. That's what it looks like to me. But you could be right because when you ha- don't have a lot of defense, you could always cover the spread either way. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and that's that's the way I'm looking at that one. But interesting though that we see all those MVP candidates all intertwined over the last uh, three games or three weeks anyway. And How did I they know? That- How did they know that in the schedule beforehand? It's like a conspiracy. Another West conspiracy. Listen, you can't trust anybody nowadays. And one of the people that you can't trust is, and and we'll jump ahead to that game, is San Francisco versus New Orleans. Okay, you cannot trust Kyle Shanahan. You can't trust a single word that man says, I think, when it comes to football. And i got to ask you, Mm i got to ask you, John, Mm -hmm. is is that okay? I mean, can coaches use that coach speak and then you don't have to trust them? Because you just can't trust what a coach says about his team, who he's going to play, especially Kyle Shanahan, because it doesn't seem like anything he says ends up coming true. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's okay if he, as long as he's transparent with his players. Why should they have to divulge anything to the media that has to do with strategy, right? You, you are obligated to some extent to release your starting quarterback, right? As you see when we look at the site on Sports Insights, you see how they have the quarterback listed for each game. And if it's an uncertain situation, they have to tell the league that because a lot of the betting circles around who's playing quarterback so that part okay fine you want to report the position correctly the rest of it you're under no obligation to tell people who your starting running back is or how you're going to play your wide receivers or what sets you're going to use or which tight ends your number one tight end or who's filling in for what guy because of injuries so as long as you're transparent with your players and you have the guys behind you i'm totally okay with that i actually don't like that the media tries to pry so much into the strategy because that's the fun of the game is not revealing all your cards it's not the courtroom, right? In the courtroom, you have to have disclosure. You have to lay out to the other side, this is what we have available. These are our witnesses. This is the route we're going to take. You can't, there's no tricks in the courtroom. In football, there's got to be a little gamesmanship. Also, we got to feel bad for San Francisco. I mean, it's a joke with the injuries. Every, their entire frontier players are all gone. The whole front line is gone. It's all backups. So as far as my pick in this game, I'm, I'm going to take the 49ers just because I heard a lot of sharp saying everybody's going to go crazy for the Saints because they blew out the Bucks. I, I I never really go into what other people are thinking, but this is a weird game with all the injuries. So I, I actually like that line of thinking that everyone's going to get hot on the Saints and everyone's down on the 49ers. So I'm going to take the Niners to lose this game by a touchdown, which would cover the spread. Okay, so this point total starts out at 49, or started out at 53.5, has dropped down to 49, and the Saints were at the beginning of the week favored by 6.5, but it's jumped up to 10. So that, mm-hmm. that is, th- those are some crazy jumps. Those are some crazy jumps. And really, there's a lot of games this week that I wish I could stay away from just because of the weather conditions or anything like that. Uh, we're, we go through them all, and we pick them all just because it's fun to do. But uh, So you're taking who? Tell me who you're taking. I'm going to take the 49ers to lose by a touchdown. So that means okay. I'll take the Saints in the fit picks, and I will take the 49ers to cover because I do agree with the Sharps that everyone's just going to give up on the 49ers. And like you said, you, you made the point. Shanahan's always got some tricks up his sleeve, and it seems awfully easy to take the Saints after they embarrass the Bucks. It seems too easy, right? So when it's too easy, we'll go the other way, and we'll take the Niners. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take New Orleans in this game. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take the safe game, and I'm staying away from that over-under because I don't. it could be a 42-7 to game. I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. Let's jump up one game, though. We kind of went out of order there because uh, Shanahan makes me – 
flipping around all the time. Uh, Shanahan, he, he has me frustrated. <laughs> Seattle versus the Rams. All right. So Seattle versus the Rams. This game point total is at 54 and a half. And right now the Rams are favored by two and a half points. John, Seattle, uh, they got to be a little upset from what happened to them last week, right? Are they going to let the Rams do this to them again? Yeah, this is the hardest game on the schedule. You're, you're absolutely right because you got you got to think that. You got to think Seattle's going to say we got to play better on defense. Um, you know, by the way, which is a really funny topic, they might even have to consider scaling back the number of plays that Jamal Adams plays. If you've been if you've been reading articles and watching film, he's getting roasted in one on one. So I do feel good about that. Right, all season I've been complaining. Blah 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 blah. Jets this, Jets that. We robbed the steel the Seahawks in that trade. That was a robbery by GM Joe Douglas. They got a bunch of picks. First round picks. They got a decent safety in return who's almost as good as Jamal Adams. So that was a robbery. So that's a big problem for Seattle right now is how do you manage a situation where you have a huge personality and a famous player like Jamal Adams who's really hurting you? And I get the proof is in the pudding. When he was out with injury, their defense had their best game of the season. So you, you can't even say that's not the case. And when you look at the film, it's embarrassing. So they got a problem there that they have to manage. But like you said, they also have to be thinking, how are we going to manage that? How are we going to get better from last week? So I could see the argument for taking them. The other side says, I think everybody still thinks that Seattle's a sexier team, right? They're just a more attractive team to take with Russell Wilson, especially with Goff playing so terrible in recent mm-hmm. weeks. So my gut, from a betting standpoint, my gut is telling me to take the Rams because it seems too easy to say Russell Wilson's going to beat Goff when it comes down to the getting and the hard times. It's going to be Russell Wilson getting it done. So I'm going to take the Rams, but I understand the argument to take the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the Rams as well. The Seattle just can't. I think they even have more DBs out this week. All right, I think it's just like the same situation as last week. They right. they can't defend the they can't defend the pass. And that's all the Rams do nowadays for the last four games. That's all they've done is pass. So, I, I, all right, it's, a, it's just a winning combination in my world. And that means that Russell Wilson's going to win this game. So that, it makes too much sense for Russell Wilson not to win this game. You know what I mean? But I've got to take the Rams because it makes too much sense. Right. And also, I got to tell you, this is a very important game in the landscape, the entire mm-hmm. landscape of the NFL. And that's because if Goff doesn't play well again here, if he has a really bad performance, against what has been either the worst or second worst defense in the NFL, the Rams are going to start thinking, what's our move going forward? And that's really important because you have one of the best young coaches in the NFL there. So it's an important storyline. Sean McVay is doing the best he can. Their, their personnel is not great. They got to think about GM in the front office. They got to, they have to start doing some things differently because they're, they're shorthanded right now in terms of big game breaking players. They don't have them. Um, so this is a key game because if he can't play well at home, after a bad performance against the worst defense, they're going to have to think about realigning that roster. And that shakes everything up because are they going to make a trade for a quarterback? Are they going to take the foot off the gas a little bit, get a better draft position? Are they going to go into free agency with those guys we talked about at the beginning of the show? So there's a lot to consider here with the Rams. This is a very big game, probably the most important game on the schedule this week. I, ta- I thought about our show whenever I read an article talking about the NFL in the year 2020. Making a change at this point of the season to extend the playoffs, right? To add more teams to the playoffs. And I think it was possibly COVID-related possibilities there. And they got a lot of different. I had to think that Vegas stood up and said, what are you trying to do to us? You know, we got all these point spreads. And, and I know NFL and Vegas shouldn't be in a handshake agreement. 
but they are in handshake agreement on a lot of things, and that's why they disclose the starting quarterbacks. That's why they do a lot of things, which has been great on the side of the NFL and great on the side of Vegas. But this has to this this is polar opposites of who can possibly win a Super Bowl. You know, which teams are going to sneak into the playoffs? All these pre bets that they that that people have placed already on the playoff odds and all the Super Bowl odds have really got to be affecting uh, what Vegas is thinking about. Have we gotten a final word on that, or it's still a pending situation? I think it's a pending situation, and I would say that that's pending because Vegas sent a couple of guys out there to talk to Roger Goodell. You know, hey, <laughs> named Vito and 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 uh, I was going to say John, but I that doesn't sound right. Vito and Rocco. There you go. <laughs> you remember if you if you ever saw Wolf of Wall Street, his two security guys were Rocco and Rocco. They had they were both, they had the same name, so maybe they sent Rocco and Rocco out there. Yeah, they just they the Vegas had to say you can't you can't do that now at this point of the season. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's possible or not, but it was just an interesting thought because this really this game right here could have those kind of playoff contention uh, uh, ramifications. You know what's interesting? It's a it's a really good point you bring up the entire situation because I bet you if the NFL had to defend themselves in this situation, that they would have a counter argument as to why it's beneficial to the books. Right? What they're going to say is number one. We're going to give you more games for people to bet on so you guys can make more possible revenue. That's actually a fact, right? If you add playoff teams, there's a little bit more action each week. If there's an extra team here or there, extra game here or there, I don't know how it's going to change the buy situation. So that's one. And also, this is where I think this is a key point. It's definitely going to encourage more people to bet on Super Bowl futures because Mm -hmm. you have more teams in the playoffs. So now they're saying, wait a minute. I can get this team that wasn't originally in contention for the playoffs. Now, if they extend it and they expand it, they get into the playoffs and then maybe they make a miracle run. And then I, I'm getting these great odds. So it's actually going to encourage more people to bet futures on the Super Bowl. But I'm sure Vegas has an angle on why it's bad for them. It's just who knows what's going on. I'd like to have, uh, you know, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in those conversations because that's some really high level stuff. All right. This next game, it's a Sunday night game. I, this will be fun to watch, I think, because of the weather conditions. Twenty mile per hour winds, uh, precipitation. It's going to be it's going to be raining there. It's not going to be snowing. The temperature will be in the fifties. But this is the Baltimore Ravens versus the New England Patriots, John. And the point total for this game is at that forty three and a half mark, which tells me bad offenses, bad field conditions. Forty three and a half sounds about right. But you know, I like that magic number when you put it all in the calculator to be forty two. So I think I'm going to take the under in this game. And the Ravens are favored by. Seven and a half points. Whew. It's just one of those games, man. It's just, it's, it's just one of those games. I looked at it before. It's the fourth time I've looked at it. And I'm just thinking, does New England keep in mind that they might be expanding the playoffs? And do they say, guys, not only do we have to go all out here in a seven and a half point spread, we got to find a way to win this game straight up because we might be able to sneak into the back end of the playoffs. That's what I've been thinking the whole time. So even when I looked at the fit picks, yes, I went with the Ravens just because I know everyone else is going to go with the Ravens. So even if they find a way to lose, I'm not going to lose any ground in the fit picks. Um, but my hesitation was, does New England think maybe we can you know, send a note over to the commish and say, hey, we like this idea. I'm sure other teams are going to get their two cents in. Yeah, let's throw a couple of extra playoff teams. Let's get those TV ratings up for the playoffs. Maybe we can find our way in there. So with that being said, I'm thinking they got to go all out and try to win this thing straight up. So I got to take the Patriots to win the spread, uh, to cover the spread, because it's only 27% on New England. So to me, mm-hmm. it's a lock for the Patriots to cover the spread. The real question is, are they going to win it all the way? 
down to the wire. I don't know if I have the answer for that one. Yeah, it seems like every game for New England right now is a close game. And oh. I love what you said about sending a note over to the NFL. Hey, yeah, well, we like those extended playoffs. Right. Oh, yeah. Th- thank you, Donald Trump, for the vaccine that's come out. <laughs> uh, we're going to get all those players that were sitting on the sidelines all year long and were covid uh, t- took the took the year off. We're gonna vaccinate them, and they're they're gonna be happy to come back. And all of a sudden, we're the Patriots of old, baby. Yeah. Except the only difference is they'll never be the Patriots of old without well, Tom Brady. You can say whatever you want about you know Cam Newton. They played better this past week, but it's true, right? I mean, you know they have to be thinking about that. You know when they heard the rumblings of it that they were like, we got to make sure we beat the Jets here on national TV to go three and five. Because we're already hearing rumblings about expanded playoffs. If we go two and six, we ain't going to make it anyway. So then we then we have to figure out what's our plan. Do we go to Stidham? It would have been a lot of gray area for the Patriots. Now with the possible expansion and coming off a win, they're, they're in the huddle going, guys, what do we got to do? They're watching the tape. They're saying, what do we got to do to get inside Lamar Jackson's head and make him screw up two or three times with the bad weather? And then we win this game low scoring, ugly, and we win it on a field goal. That's exactly what they're thinking about right now behind closed doors. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a chess match between two of the best uh, coaches in the league, which by the way, again, at John Frisella sports, I ranked all the coaches from one to 32. I have Bill Belichick at number two in the league behind Andy Reid, And I have John Harbaugh at number five. So you're talking about two top five coaches here. It's going to be a battle. All right. So we're both taking new England in this game and I'm taking the under Uh, now. Now see, we could say my head, messes up a lot of different things and I flip flop stuff and I agree. But now on our little website here that we're looking at here on sports insights, they have flipped what the Sunday night game and the, and the, 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 I guess a four o'clock game, they flipped it and they put, they put it in the wrong order. So does that, do they know something we don't know or, or is this still just going to be a four o'clock game? The chargers versus the Miami dolphins. Yeah. Earlier in the season, I saw the same thing on the site and it turned out it was, there were some concerns about COVID, on one of the teams. Uh, so they were thinking maybe we need to push the game back later in the day and flip flop it with another game. So it could be related to that. Um, I doubt that it's an error in terms of like, uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Like a clerk error that this was a yeah. mistake, an entry error. So it's probably intentional that they have it that way. So maybe it's up in the air and there's still some scheduling that they have to consider between COVID and the conditions, the weather conditions uh, and the timing issues. So it's okay. probably, it's probably the ball still up in the air waiting to come down. Okay, well, this one is sitting at 48.5 right now for a point total, and Miami is favored by 2.5 points. And, John, I, after we give our little diagnosis, I got another interesting question for you. Uh-huh. But, well, you got to tell me your point total first. got to tell me your pick first. Yeah, it's just, I just keep oh. thinking. I just <laughs> keep thinking, how could it be that Tua turned it around that fast in one week? You know what I mean? I just keep, I just keep thinking in my head, like, is that a sign? that he's going to be a superstar on the rise to come after a performance where he looked like he was a non-competitive NFL quarterback to then go shot for shot with a possible MVP who's in the midst of the best year of his young career that he went shot for shot with Kyler Murray to have a game like he had there and to rally the troops and for them to come away with the win there, a dramatic victory in one of the best games of the season. What does that say about Tua, right? How do we, how do we put Tua into the landscape of the league now and determine where he stands after a turnaround like that? So hats off. That's I'm making a signal right now, taking my hat off to him for a tremendous performance and making us think about this stuff. But I don't have an answer yet. I don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think. Well, I've, I've, go ahead. Go ahead. Let, that, Wes, that's you talk what my question more was than be. I do. 
No, no, that's what my question was going to be to you. Now we've we've gotten the rate. You know, they both been all they all been on the radar. The rookie quarterbacks have been on the radar for us. And, and my question is this, and I'm I'm not going to put Lutton in there yet. Okay, I'm not going to put Lutton in that conversation. Herbert, Tua, or uh, Burrow? Which quarterback do you like better? And it's you know it's there's a lot of hype surrounding Tua, right? You know, a lot of hype surrounding Joe Burrow, but yet. To me, Herbert has come in and said, hey, guys, don't forget about me. Uh, which quarterback, if you were starting a franchise, would you want to start that franchise around? Yep, we're, we're locked in, my friend. We're lo- we tend to do that as we get toward the end of the show, later in the games. All of a sudden, you see the ideas start to align. Um, I agree. I think Justin Herbert is the guy to watch. Now, I'm going to tell you, within this game, that's telling me a lot, right? It's right now only 39% on the Chargers. The Chargers... For whatever reason, no matter who the quarterback is, dating even back to Drew Brees, preceding Phillip Rivers, for whatever reason, something about those jerseys, they can't win close games, right? They Time and time again, they're competitive. You never look at a Charger score except for that one playoff game against the Patriots when they blew them out. Literally, in all these years, you never look at their score and go, wow, the Chargers lost by four touchdowns? It doesn't happen. They're competitive week after week after week. Change the coach. Change the quarterback. They're still competitive. So now looking at this game. 39% only on the Chargers. The line has already dropped going in their direction. The Dolphins opened as a three-point favorite. Now it's down to one and a half. I think with the percentages the way it is, the way that you and I feel about Herbert and what his standing is going to be in this league and what he's shown so far, flashes of greatness, I think this is a game where Herbert says, I'm the guy out of all three of these guys. The Chargers get the win straight up. They beat Miami because Miami's just too hot right now. And it's too easy to take them in a home game, which is what the public is thinking. They're at 61% taking Miami. I think this is the game where Herbert puts his foot down and says, I'm tired of losing all these close ones. I'm going to have a monster fourth quarter, and it's not going to be in doubt. Because if you recall that game last week, it came down to the last play back-to-back. He made a good throw on a fade pattern, and back-to-back, either the defender got a hand on it or his offensive player dropped the ball, Mike Williams being one of them. Um, I think this time he's going to say, you know what? It's not coming down to the last play. It's going to come down to the last quarter. I'm going to dominate the fourth quarter, and I'm going to show people that I'm the guy. So I'm going Chargers to win it straight up. I'm going Chargers with the the spread, and I'm going Herbert as my top pick of the rookie of the three quarterbacks. Okay. I I still got to take Burrow because I see I've seen him now for a while longer. Maybe I just haven't seen Herbert nearly as long as, as I thought, but Tua is my number three out of these guys. And mm-hmm. I like Burrow just because I've always seen his poise, even dating back to those two or three years ago that we talked about before. I, I've, I've seen his poise in the pocket under terrible conditions. And I think Herbert has that as well. That's the one thing I don't see in Tua that I see in these other guys. And granted, it's only a second start in the NFL, but I saw that immediately out of Herbert. Tua, last week, he dropped back his three or four steps. And then all of a sudden he started doing happy feet. He started doing tap dances back there and he was gone. He was out of the pocket. He was running. He was doing this. He was out of the, it. And, and that's not good for a quarterback, right? He's not setting his feet. He's not trusting his line. That means there's a lot of mistakes coming in this, in this, I don't want to say in this game, but we know that the Chargers have a pretty good defense. At least they were rumored to have had a good defense. <laughs> I don't think they've necessarily right. had that this year. This looks like a shootout game to me. But yet when I look at that Vegas point total, it's even dropped a point to 48 and a half. What are they trying yeah. to tell us by dropping it? Because immediately in my mind, I'm thinking this needs to be in the 50s. If you were to ask me how much is this point total, how much did Vegas set it at? I'd be like, oh, man, 
53-54 points, and it's all the right. way down to 48.5. To me, this yeah. means that the, that the Dolphins barely score in this game. I'm taking the Chargers as well, and I'm going to leave that point total where it is. Yeah, I like that analysis. Uh, there's, it could go either way, right? I, I like what you're saying about Tua uh, with the happy feet there because that's going to be the indicator in this particular game. I don't necessarily mean it's going to be like that for his career. In this particular game, that seems like that may be an issue that comes into play based on the betting factors that we're looking at and the, ma- the matchup, the mano a mano here between the two rookie quarterbacks. Um, what I want to say about that, though, is keep in mind, you may develop happy feet when your first game in the NFL is against Aaron Donald, right? Okay. So let's give him a pass. I think he'll, he'll straighten it out. It might linger a little bit here for the first, you know, four, five, six games of his career right. because it's like PTSD going against that guy who's eating <laughs> up five offensive linemen by himself. You know what okay. I mean? So, so we'll give him a pass on that. And I want to make one positive comment, which is I like the idea that he did scramble, though, just because you and I like that run-pass mix. It keeps everybody on their toes, which is why Lamar's not doing as well this year because he's trying to get back into that pattern of throwing out of the pocket and not becoming a guy who's a one-trick pony. You know mm-hmm. this happens, right? Yeah. There's a really interesting topic with quarterbacks. The guy has their first year in the league scrambling a lot, and then they get warned like the Robert Griffin thing. They get warned by the organization, by the people in the media, by the people around them saying, yeah, you can only get by for so long scrambling until somebody knocks you out and it ruins your career. So you better get used to sitting back in the pocket and making some passes, right? That's what happened with Lamar Jackson this year. They warned him. They're like, you can only do this for so long. I disagree. I think it's the complete opposite. I think you do that. You use that advantage for as long as you can until you become too slow where it's not even a factor. So I disagree with that. I think you got to play your game, whatever it is. And I know you agree with me because you think Trubisky should have been using his legs while he can because there'll come a day in four or five years when he's a backup quarterback and somebody goes to him and he can't scramble at all. So I think you got to use it while you can. So my answer is I like that Tua is doing it. So that at least is a plus that he's starting to scramble. The one thing I said about Tua, and this is what I observed whenever he was in college, he, he looks at the first read. He was a one-read quarterback. He was a system quarterback at Alabama, and he could make that first read, and he could zip it in there. You know, It didn't matter whose hand was in the way because he was going to knock the, the defensive player's hand out of the way with how fast he threw that football, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think is happening here in Miami as well. He looks for that first read. If it's not there, he's gone. And like you said, maybe that is being a little gun-shy after going against Aaron Donald. Very good point. Very good point. It just ain't going to get any easier going against the Chargers either. So that's that's our pick here. All right. That was all the games, John, for this week. So Here we go. To- Every week you try to you try to slide out the side door before I make fun of the Bears. <laughs> well, this this game is terrible. This is our Monday night game, Minnesota at Chicago. Okay, fine. Minnesota at Chicago. This has done our crisscross that we talk about. This this one's crossed over, right? Yep. It, yep. it started out at 46.5 point total. That's dropped down to 43. The Bears were favored by two points earlier in the week, and now the Minnesota Vikings are favored by two and a half. Two and a half. Now, uh, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be done with this game. I'm done with this game. Minnesota, Chicago, I will take the over and I will take the Vikings. There, enough said. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head because, well, again, I told you earlier this week I was on the show at Bison 1660, The Insiders, with Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff, and those guys are Vikings fans, and that's a big Vikings fan base out there. And I referred to Dalvin Cook as the master on that show. I mean, the guy's been masterful, dominating defenses, right? So, yeah, the Bears are a little bit better than what Minnesota has faced the last couple of weeks. 
But, I mean, Cook is making an argument for himself that he's the best player in the NFL. That's how good he's been since returning from injury. I mean, he's been the most dominant. More, You know how hard it is for a running back to be more dominant than a quarterback? He's absolutely dominated the game for two consecutive weeks. He had a monster year last year. And before injury this year, he was looking like the best running back in the league. So uh, I think that's a, a big problem, obviously, for the Bears. Also, Minnesota, finally, as we've said earlier in the year, they didn't use Jefferson enough. Now that they're using Jefferson, and let's sprinkle in a little bit of Irv Smith, who had a two-touchdown game out of nowhere, right? Now that they're using Irv Smith and Jefferson, that opens up things for Thielen a little bit. Minnesota's starting to come together, and this goes hand-in-hand with the Patriots at 3-5, and five, right? If the league opens up a playoff spot, watch out for Minnesota. And I, those are my teams are coming on now, and I know you're sweating because you made fun of me when they were both 1-5 and five or whatever. Philadelphia and Minnesota, they're both going boop, boop, boop up the mountain. They're climbing. You feel them coming for those late playoff spots. So, yeah, I'm with you. We're taking Minnesota to win this game. They're a better team than the Bears. They need the game more than the Bears because the Bears are going to go backwards, down, stumble out of this, and not have a chance to make the playoffs. Minnesota's going to go up and try to get into one of those back spots. So they're crossing each other, just like the line. The line crossed over zero. These two teams are crossing each other on the highway. One's going one way, one's going the other way. So we're taking Minnesota. Okay, and let me say this, too, about the Bears. We've seen this happen so many times in the NFL this year where teams quit on their head coach. Mm. The Bears haven't quit yet, but they're going to. That's that's my prediction is that they're going to. And and it's not going to be against Minnesota necessarily, okay? It's against Green Bay. Let me tell you what the players know. The players know that the McCaskies, the owners of the Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. they, they have a couple of stipulations whenever they hire a coach. One, we want you to win the playoffs. But even more importantly than that, we want you to beat Green Bay, right? Because that goes back to Papa Bear Hallis days, right? Lombardi <laughs> and all that stuff. And I'm serious about that. I'm serious. And uh, so we, that I think if they want full, if they want uh, Gase, not Gase, what the Nagy, if they want Nagy fired, you know what they're going to do? They're going to lay down in that Green Bay game. And it's going to be the offense more so than the defense and Pagano um, coaching that team. And that's the other thing. That's the, that's the t- You didn't rank Pagano in your head coach's list because he's going to end up coaching the Chicago Bears team before it's all said and done this year after the Bears lay down against Green Bay. There's my prediction, John. Woo! That, that's interesting. You think like if the, if the Bears, let's see, they're 5-4 and four right now. Let's say if they go to 5-7, and seven, you think they'll let Pagano finish the year? Is that basically what you mean? No, when when the when the Bears lose a hundred to nothing against the Green Bay Packers, that's going to be the sign that the players want uh, Nagy out of there more than anything else. So <laughs> hundred to nothing, I almost got that game right. The Chiefs and the Jets, remember that when I was when I flipped out. I mean, <laughs> they, they should have made the line a hundred. They almost got there. The Chiefs, they really embarrassed us. But uh, well, let me ask you then, based on my rankings, I had Nagy at twenty-two. I mean, that's not really high praise, and this is a guy who's still winning up to today. 61% of his games as a head coach in the NFL. And there are two ways to look at their season this year. It's really complicated. Of course, for you, you're right on top of it as a Bears fan. So you're emotional about it. For me, looking from the outside, you could say, A, this team hasn't done enough creatively. And they've kind of lost touch with what they were doing at the beginning when they first had Nagy and they were tricking teams with a lot of motion and a lot of fancy formations and a lot of stuff that guys haven't seen. Uh, or you could look at the other way, which is it's actually a really good coaching job that they're five and four. I, I can hear that argument just because Foles doesn't like him. And just because the fans don't like him, how do you know people on the inside are going, Hey, we could be instead of five and four, we could be three and six right now if we had a different coach. So how do you, how do you view him? Number one at 22 out of 32 coaches, where do you have him? And number two, how do you view the season? Could they, 
could they actually have been worse than this is really the question. When I saw how many games you put on there that he had won, I went, how in the world did mm-hmm. that man win that many games and I not mm-hmm. like him this much? You know, right. seriously. I mean, honestly, that's what I was thinking. And I know what the record is this season. And I see it and I'm going, that's just a mirage because right. it more than anything, it's been the defense. And I think he's been riding the defensive coattails for quite some time. And now the defense has kind of faltered off a little bit even last year. I, the, it, what I what I see this as is we were being sold that Nagy was an offensive guy, right? And even in Kansas City, there was a period of time when he was in Kansas City and Andy Reid handed him the play calls. Mm-hmm. And Andy Reid snatched that play calling sheet back from him very quickly after about two or three games because it just wasn't going the way that Andy Reid wanted it to go at all. And then right. he comes into Chicago calling the plays, and I see what Andy Reid was talking about. It's almost like he overcomplicates the system just a little bit too much. When we need to pound the ball, we don't pound it. We 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 throw it out to Tariq Cohen on the edge, uh, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, and then he loses two more yards after that. It just doesn't make sense. There's no game flow. There's no pattern in there. I think that in the 22 coaches or where you have him ranked 22, that's yeah. probably about right. Okay. okay, and and I say that because there's so many players, oh, so many coaches under him who deserve to be under him as well. It's mm-hmm. probably a tie in a lot of different places. Right. I, I, so I, I'm going to say it's about right. I would put him lower. Like you said, I'm I'm closer to the situation, and I just don't know how he has won that many games other than the talent that he had beforehand on the defensive side of the ball. It hasn't been offensive at all. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point because if you look at it this way, most of his success really came that first year where he was like the hot yes. young head coach. And and when you go hand in hand with that season in particular, you could say Khalil Mack was the best player in the league that year. So right. you you could you could say the impact plays that he created by proxy, by being who he was and being an MVP candidate that opened up the whole defense and made the defense deadly. And then that made the team better and that made the coach look better. So, so that's an interesting way to look at it. Now, another thing about Mirage, and it, it's really cool to evaluate these fringe coaches, right? Like there's, there's not that much reading between the lines. Let me just run you through the guys I have through one, one through six. Andy Reid's winning. I'm rounding up 63% of the games in his career. There's no reading between the lines. He's a legend. Bill Belichick, first ballot hall of famer, possibly the best coach of all time. Mike Tomlin's winning 66% of his games for, for his career. He's got Super Bowls, et cetera. Sean Payton, 64%. John Harbaugh, 62%. And Pete Carroll, about 61%. Right? There's not a lot of reading between lines between these guys. They consistently get jobs. They maintain jobs. Their teams do well. Their players buy in. They get respect. There's nothing really to read into it. But these guys in the middle, like Matt Nagy and like Adam Gaze, let me give you an example here. Adam Gaze finished the season last year with the Jets, 6-2. and And I got to tell you, they might have had the worst team in the league on paper. So now how do you read between the line when Darnold again has been hurt? Flacco earlier in the year when they didn't have the receivers look like the worst quarterback in the league. Now, again, I'm not defending Gaze. I'm just saying, how do you read into that? Do you say that his 6-2 and two to end the year last year was actually really good coaching? That he was even able to get them to 6-2 and two was probably a small miracle. Same thing with Nagy this year. Do you say that this year's 5-4 and four is a small miracle? They could be 0-9. They could be one and eight with the team that they have. So I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's very hard to decide yeah. when you look at all these factors, what's really going on. And and part of these factors, whenever we do it, and I know there's football minds out there that are way smarter than I am when it comes to the football game and, mm-hmm. and understanding what needs to be done. 
but they had success that first year, like you said, and, and, and Trubisky was running all over the field. He was mm-hmm. a running quarterback, and then all of a sudden the second year they tried to change him into a pocket quarterback, which may be a little bit injury-prone, uh, that they were worried about him being injured and stuff, and he did have a couple of injuries. He was banged up a little bit, but they completely changed his game style, and it was almost like he was in trouble whenever he came back to the sideline after he ran a play instead of throwing the ball. And and I just I never understood that. He has changed the whole system. It's made it very complicated, and to me, it, it's going downhill quickly. You always talk about that, you know, it's going downhill. They're losing a lot of games. They're going in the wrong direction kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. they've been going in the direction all year. I, I, the five, five victories has been very fortunate, really, honestly. I don't even know that they should have won any. You know, it's a really good uh, a situation here with this team in particular. That's very funny is we all, base, all of us, everybody, Bears fans, people that follow it very closely, fans from the outside, fantasy coaches, you and I, the other guys on the other shows, we all, when they were five and two, basically said in a couple of weeks they'll be five and four. Think about that. That's how everybody knew. Everybody knew that five and two was a fluke. I don't think I've ever seen a team like that where everyone was so sure they would quickly, quickly just go back to earth, and they did it that fast. They lost two games in a row. So it's just very funny that you very rarely have a team where everybody's on the same page unless you're talking about an 8 no Steelers team. You know what I mean? Other sure. than that, it's like, oh, you could say this, you could say that. We all across the board, everybody who follows it, said the Bears 5-2 and two is a joke. So it's just an interesting thing that you don't have that situation very often in the NFL. All right, John, let's get to breadwinners and let's wrap this puppy up here. I've got me five breadwinners this week. Five breadwinners. Uh, I've been doing good on my breadwinners. I think I've only lost two breadwinners out of five, I think, so far for the year. And and I'm on breadwinners now uh, for this week. It is this. There, here it is. Get out your pens. Get out your paper. Get out your pencils if you want to erase some things that I say. Uh, that's what I tend to do anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Phil. I'm taking Philadelphia. I'm taking Philadelphia this week uh, to cover that point spread. That's a breadwinner, and I like for that game to go over. I also want to take the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm going to take that as my breadwinner. Uh, just I, I think they're going to be able to win that game straight up. And then the last game that we talked about, I think Minnesota wins that game, and I think that game goes over as well because really uh, both 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 teams have been putting a lot of points on the board, and even Chicago has been a second half garbage time team and i think that's what this game is going to turn into uh rather quickly and i i I, I could just see this game going over only 43 points no weather conditions whatsoever that we have to worry about so i could see that game going over as well so those are my five bread winners what about you john uh when we have a crossover i usually i'll throw that one out just to make it fun so we don't have a repeat so i agree minnesota would have been one of my picks with the spread here so i'll throw that one out i'm going to call this hollywood week for me I'm going to take the two Los Angeles teams. I'm going to take the Chargers. As I said, I think Herbert's going to make that statement that he is the guy of the three rookie quarterbacks. Also, the Dolphins will come back down to earth a little bit this week, as will Tua after a a dominant performance last week. So I'll go with the Chargers there. And I'm going to go with the Rams because it's just too easy to say Russell Wilson is going to outduel Jared Goff. Any Joe Schmo who's watched one football game could say that. It's just too easy to take the Seahawks. So it's Hollywood week for me. I'm taking the Chargers and the Rams. All right. Those are your breadwinners. Very good, John. Hey, great job. Make sure you head over to John Frisella blog spot.com to be able to check out that list of the head coaches. You could also follow John Frisella at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. How about them apples, huh? Woo, I just, you got it right. At Legend yeah. Sports 7. You got it right. No John Legend mentioned except earlier uh, once the show. Very few uh, made-up names and uh, things that you forgot. So I don't know. 
you must be on some special magic today. So good, good stuff, my friend. Again, Aaron Torres online, lead columnist over there. Right here we are on the John Frisella Show Fit Network with at Loafing at West Easley. Shout to the whole gang and the fit crew. Uh, and, of course, you know, once again, thank you to the guys Jeff Colhane and Andy Rykoff for having me on the Insiders at Bison 1660. Uh, and, you know, other shows out there. I'm happy to take some time during my lunch hour during work. I'll pop on the radio show for a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can get my guy Loafing it going there as well. Hey, that'd be fun to be able to go on some other show. I can make a, 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 a joke, a mocking. People can mock me on other shows as well, John. That'd be great. At Loafinit, you can find me on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show, at FI Today, with a little underscore as well. You can find all the different hosts listed right underneath the bio. Make sure you follow everybody, and you can look at the Fit Picks. That will be posted up there eh, a little bit later today on Saturday or maybe on Sunday morning. And I'll head over to Anchor FM as well, where you can find the all podcast, this podcast, all the other podcasts under Fantasy Impact Today Sports. I think it says sports on there, but Fantasy Impact back today whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on you can find it there make sure you subscribe make sure you like it make sure you leave a review but more importantly than all those actions everybody here at the fit crew want to encourage you to find a way to go out and make a positive impact in somebody's life today